When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Are you looking for a podcast that brings you all the latest news and analysis on the silver and black? Carr from under center looks downfield, fires deep, complete. Waller's got it. How about interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. Henry Ruggs, the speed, touchdown, Carr with another bomb. And now your host, Evan Grote. And let's go, Raider Nation. We made it. We made it to the month of September, preseason football is over training camp is completed the cuts have been made and it's time it's time for us to start gearing up for some regular season football we've missed it it's back and i can't wait for it we do have to wait just a little bit longer though for week one uh and we will begin previewing that game next week here on just pod baby that monday night matchup with the ravens we're gonna have some more in-depth analysis for you coming up next week i've been working on getting us a guest to join us on here on the show uh, from the ravens to give us some insight and i'm definitely looking forward to getting started with some of the preview shows uh for you now, I'm glad to be back here with you uh, after a couple weeks off. I am your host Evan Grote. You are listening to Just Pod Baby, part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. Give me a follow on Twitter at egrote five. Check out the website justpodbaby.com. I'm really going to start cranking out the content for you over there on the blog page, especially with the season that, uh, about to begin. And just another quick announcement that I want to make: if you're not aware yet, there's a new Raiders radio show that is available for your listening pleasure, and it's hosted by some of the team here at vegasportstoday.com and that is Scott Branson and Mo Moten. The name of the show is Silver and Black Tonight. You can hear it on Friday nights, 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. on the East Coast. You can hear the show on 1090 AM, The Mightier, that's in Southern California, or you can tune in by listening to the TuneIn app. That's what I do. Um, it's a great app. You can download it really easily and you can, you can find the show there. Uh, Scott also posts the uh, the recordings or the shows to the Silver and Black Tonight podcast feed as well. So make sure you're checking that out. Those guys are are great, as you know, and uh, I've really enjoyed their their first two shows. Now later in the show, later uh, in this week's show, we'll be joined by our guest this week. That is Jesse Merrick of KSNV News Three in Las Vegas. He's been all over it out there in Henderson. We're going to get some of his reaction to the roster cuts that were made, uh, the big news of the new linebacker that is now in town, and uh, we're going to begin discussing the, the matchup uh, on Monday Night Football with the Ravens. Now, also at the end of segment number one. I'm going to be giving you my win-loss prediction for the Raiders in 2021, and I'm going to give you some of the reasoning for my prediction as well. And I tweeted out a poll the other day, and I will let you know what the consensus on Twitter thinks as far as a record uh, for the Raiders. And all that is coming up uh, here in segment one and, and throughout the show. But tonight, I want to begin with the news that was first reported on Thursday by Josina Anderson of ESPN, the free agent linebacker that Raider Nation has been calling for. While their prayers have been answered, former Seattle Seahawks K.J. Wright is now a Las Vegas Raider. And and, and he is just the latest um, 
linebacker or player to be to be added to that room. Denzel Perryman was brought in uh, through a trade last week, a trade with the Los Angeles uh, Chargers. And, and, you know, a couple things that I really like about the addition of both of these players. Number one, they are veteran players who have had success in the league. And, 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 and you know what? Yes, I, I agree. Maybe their best years are behind them. Um, but they will be able to now come in and, and provide some much needed relief to a possession, a position, excuse me, that was really hit hard by the injuries, uh, during training camp, Nicholas Morrow, Javen White will most likely be moved to the IR. They're dealing with injuries that, uh, we haven't really gotten a timetable for, but Gruden did say they'd be out for some time. And at the time of this recording, they had not been yet moved to the IR, but those are, uh, that is a move that we are expecting to happen, um, in the near future. And then the second part of this, uh, of these additions that I really like is that these two guys are familiar with, with what Gus Bradley wants to do on defense. And I think that is critical. That cannot be, um, stated enough because with less than, you know, two weeks, a week and a half to go before week one, they don't have the time to, to get in and, and learn a new system. And, and, and because they already know the system very well, we don't have to worry about them getting up to speed with the scheme. So that's a, that's a great benefit uh, for the Raiders. And, you know, I, I want to keep things in perspective. I see some people out there on Twitter are, are, are through the roof. And I understand this. I'm, I'm happy about the move. I think it was a move that, especially um, with KJ Wright, I think it's a move that had to happen. But listen, KJ Wright, he's 32 years old. Okay, um, he is coming off a really good season, a very solid season. He was ranked um, in the NFL top 100 for what that is worth to you. Um, you know, he should slide right in as the strong side linebacker. Which, if you followed any of the press conferences, you've heard uh, players refer to this position as the auto linebacker in Gus Bradley's defense. And you know, he also has the ability to to, to move inside to to, to play Mike, uh, which is good. So, um, but I, I, at the same time, you know, I, I don't know how much Denzel Perryman is really going to play. I, I believe I read he's coming off some injuries, which cost him some time early in training camp with the Panthers. Um, I, I do expect KJ Wright to have a much larger role early on than than Perryman, but you know it's not as if they're bringing in uh, an All-Pro stud linebacker, 26 years old, who's going to change the face of this defense. Um, but at the same time, I do agree it was a, a move that had to had to be made, and uh, and, and I'm happy about it. But um, you know, some 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 veteran, as I said, some some veteran uh, leadership and some versatility that was added to the defense. Um, and, and I think, you know, he will be good or both of them will be good for the young linebackers in the room. They both know Gus Bradley's system very well, and, and they should help with the communication uh, on that side of the ball as well. So a big move for the Raiders. And uh, as I said, K.J. Wright should definitely see plenty of action early in the season. I'm hoping he still has some gas left in the tank. Now, the other uh, big story that was talked about a lot from this week was roster cutdown day that took place on Tuesday. That was the big story all throughout the league as all teams had to cut their rosters down from from that number of, I, I believe it was 80 uh, when the last when they last made cuts. And, and, you know, now that we've had a few days and some time to digest that uh, what went down, you know, we know now who is on the practice squad, what players are going to be uh, kept around for the practice squad. 
Um, I'm going to give you some of my my two cents on the decisions that were made. Uh, we did hear General Manager Mike Mayock. He he spoke with the media this week, and and so we'll uh, dissect some of what he had to say as well. And you know, really, just my my initial reaction uh, to the 53 man roster was probably much like many of yours was, is that, you know, I didn't really see a whole lot of surprises. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it, uh, but but based on what I was seeing out there on social media and what I, what I read through, uh, you know, different media outlets, um, th- there were not a whole lot of jaw droppers that we saw. Maybe outside of uh, John Brown, Carl Joseph, those are two of the, the bigger moves are uh, are two of the the bigger names that we that we saw that did not make the team. I didn't really see a, a um you know a big shocker at all. I'm gonna go through a few names here specifically. I mentioned John Brown just a second ago. He was cut. That was the one shocker. I, I would say when you look at it though, uh, when you look at it uh, specifically from a financial standpoint, I should say, you know they'd signed him in free agency to a deal that was worth three point two five million dollars. One point seven five million in a signing bonus and the remaining 1.5 was guaranteed money. So, you know, that's a big investment for a couple, a guy to come in here and, and, and practice for a couple of months and not even make the team. But after hearing what Mayock had to say, and, and based on what we heard all throughout training camp and what we saw in preseason games, um, you know, I'm not quite sure it was more so about what Brown didn't do or, or more so about what the guys around him were doing. You know, it sounds like it was a combination of both of those factors. Let's take a quick listen here to what Mike Mayock had to say about John Brown not making the team. Um, I think for John, it's it's a little bit similar. I mean, John is is, is a speed guy. He's quick. He's fast. Um, he's got to be out there every day competing. And um, again, I feel badly for him also because I just I think what happens in camp is that those first three guys, the young wideouts, they need as many camp, many reps as they can get. It's not like you've got three veterans who are just kind of taking a certain number of reps per period. Those guys need reps, and we force-fed them reps with Derek. So those three guys are getting force-fed into the first-team huddle so that we get that rapport going, right? Um, And then you've got John who's fighting for reps, and here comes Zay Jones. You know, and Zay Jones might be in better shape than anybody on our football team. And um, and then you've got Willie Sneed, who when you, when you use the term savvy veteran, you know, that's who you're talking about. He can play all three positions. Um, if, God forbid, if anything happened to Hunter, he could step in and run that slot position all day long. Um, so those five guys got the majority of snaps. And, and so you got to kind of knock the door down to get your snaps. And, and when you're not available every day, that's difficult. There you heard from Raiders general manager Mike Mack. And for me, I think what I took away from from those comments was I think it's a good sign for Henry Ruggs and, and Brian Edwards that that head coach John Gruden and Mike Mack feel totally comfortable uh, to move on from John Brown, who, who was brought in uh, or we were told was brought in to be that presence, uh, that veteran presence, and, and possibly even replace some of that production from Nelson Aguilar. What we learned, though, is that both Ruggs and Edwards impressed coaches enough in camp and, and that we should expect a, a much uh, bigger role and a much bigger impact from vo- both of those uh, young men. And you heard Mike Mayock say it. They, they force-fed uh, some of these young players, these young receivers, the three young receivers, uh, Ruggs, Edwards, and and, um, and Renfro. 
um, with getting them those reps with the ones with Derek Carr. And I'm glad to hear that because, you know, you invest a first round pick in, in Henry Ruggs, you invest the third round pick in, in Brian Edwards. You want to give these young guys every opportunity to seize that moment and to take advantage of, of what is in front of them. And, and, and so that tells me uh, they were given the opportunity and, and they took it. And they and they they impressed, and that's good. And, and so they should be uh, ready to roll this year. It's on them now. There there is no there's no Nelson Aguilar there to to step in and bail them out should they be slow uh, to start the season or, or or whatnot. There are only five receiver receivers who made the 53 man roster, so it will be crucial for the offense that these young guys. Rugs and Edwards especially, they hit the ground running. So, uh, and also just a quick side note, I was doing some reading uh, last night. I, I follow NFL insider uh, Adam Kaplan, who is actually a former guest on the show. Um, he he saw the Raiders as part of his uh, training camp tour that he does every year. He he, I don't know if he spent time out in L.A. when they did the joint practices or whatnot, but he said Brian Edwards looked like the best player on the Raiders offense. So some really, really glowing reports uh, from him. So that that's good to hear. And, and then the next piece to the puzzle, as you heard from, from Mayock, was the emergence of, of Zay Jones. And we know, we all know how much... Uh, John Gruden loves him some Zay Jones. And he, you know, to his credit, he really played well throughout camp. Um, From what we heard, it seemed like every other day uh, there was a video posted of him making a great catch or there was a beat writer tweeting out that Zay Jones had made another play. Um, And and we know that he balled out against the Seahawks. And and so he really earned his spot on this team. And, you know, he, he is one of the guys who we know puts in a lot of time with Derek Carr out to the park um, in the offseason, and it, it sounds like he, he it really came together for him, at, at least in, in training camp in preseason. The question that I want to ask, and I know that many of you probably share the same idea, is that we always hear about how much John Gruden loves Zay Jones, and as I said, in Zay Jones' defense, he really played well in camp, but that being said, we we have not seen him get any serious run in any meaningful games. So, you know, I, I don't know what the deal is. Um, he's had an opportunity here in the last couple of years. They haven't had the strongest group of wide receivers, um, and he still hasn't been able to, to carve out any meaningful uh, snaps in games. So, so that is what I would like to know. When are we going to see that? Uh, actually happen? When will he get a serious look? It could be this year. There, like as I said, there's only five wideouts uh, on the roster this year, so they should all, all five of them, should get some some time. No, no doubt about it. Now, I want to stay with the offense. Let's quickly. I want to quickly get into a little bit of discussion about the offensive line. And, you know, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse here. This is a topic that I have covered quite a bit here, uh, th- you know, throughout the, the last few weeks. Only eight linemen right now on this 53-man roster. We know who that starting five is going to be. Richie Incognito, right now he's dealing with a calf injury. He's missed some time in practice. I don't believe he practiced again this week. And, and I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to stick to my guns, and I and I will continue to say that I have doubts with the offensive line. Um, one of those reasons was the age of Incognito coming off that season where he had that major Achilles injury. You know, he's 38 years old. You just don't bounce back from those types of things. 
Um, I'm not sure if the calf injury is on the same leg. I should probably find that out. Uh, but that was one of the concerns that I had in addition to the youth and inexperience along the line. And, and you know, it, it's not really from a talent standpoint. I, I believe these guys are talented. I feel good with Alex Leatherwood. We've seen, we've seen, um, you know, him, him play, you know, quite extensively, uh, in, in the first quarter of the, of the preseason games. And he looks like, you know, he's, he, you know, is the real deal. Um, obviously Colton Miller, there's nothing to worry about with him, but it's the three interior linemen that I, that I am concerned with, especially if incognito should miss some time. That's worrisome to me to throw in another youngster, John Simpson. And, you know, the other part of my concern that I've had is with the lack of depth behind the starting five. And we really got a chance to see that, um, that lack of depth in the preseason, um, you know, beyond that starting five, it was, it was, uh, it wasn't pretty and, and it was, it, it was, wasn't good at all. They really got exposed, especially I would say in the, in the last two preseason games with the Rams and in the 49ers, you could really see the lack of depth when you didn't see guys like Leatherwood playing as much and, and the center Andre James playing as much. There definitely is a, a, a depth issue. And so I don't know if, if Mike Mayock will, will monitor the free agent market and, and look to add someone. He probably should, and that maybe that's a movie we'll see here in the next few days. Uh, but let's take a listen here to the next audio clip of Mayock talking about the idea of keeping only eight offensive linemen. Three tackles, yeah. I mean, we have three tackles. Uh, Denzel has played guard tackle. Um, you know, we only carried eight. I would anticipate we would get to nine probably at some point in the near future. Um, I'd feel more comfortable with nine, to be honest with you. But we just thought there was a kind of a cutoff point after eight for where we were. Um, so uh, the, what I really like about our three tackles is I think um, I think Colton's had the best camp since he's been here. Um, I think Leatherwood is exactly what we thought he was. And uh, Parker's had his best camp. So he's a true swing tackle, which in this league carries a lot of value. You know, you have to hope that this group stays healthy. That That's the bottom line. I mean, that's the bottom line with any position you know, in the NFL, uh, but especially with more so with the offensive line. This offense is only going to go as far as that line will take them. And, and we saw what happened at the end of last year with Josh Jacobs and his productivity uh, when the injuries started to pile up on the offensive line. I know Jacobs was dealing with some injuries as well, but you saw, you saw what happened to the offense. And, and you know, there's a lot of talent on the offense surrounding Carr, but if if those five guys in front of him, if they are not healthy or they are not playing well, it, it won't matter. It, it won't matter. So so um, that is going to be a storyline that I will continue to monitor all season long. Now defensively, you know, looking at the final cut, same story, same story as, as the offense. Not many surprises. I think the big one we'll all admit is uh, Roderick Teamer, who who's a guy who really came out of nowhere. I'd never even heard of the guy, to be honest with you. And I would like to meet anyone who had him on their final fifty-three. Um, you know, the def- defensive line is is completely retooled, reworked. I, I like what I saw from Darius Pylon uh, in preseason. I think I was I was sleeping on him uh, way too much. Um, he definitely seems like he has plenty of juice left after after missing the two seasons. Uh, he looks like he he just looks like he's got um, number one. He plays he plays with some anger. It looks like, and uh, number two, he's got great get off. He's got a, a, an extremely quick first step. 
plays with a lot of energy, a lot of burst, and a lot of juice, and I, I really liked what I saw from him. A um, couple other thoughts on the defense. I, I wonder what the role for Clee Farrell is going to be. I mean... Um, it looks like he's going to be working, you know, with the second unit and, 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 and I know that Rod Marinelli and, and Bradley, they want to rotate these guys in that defensive line. They want to rotate them in, in and out, um, keep guys fresh, but however you want to look at it, it's a demotion for Clee Farrell and, you know, the former, uh, fourth overall pick. And, and that's not a good thing. You, you want to hit on those early picks and, you know, that's a topic for a whole nother day, but, uh, you know, and, and then you got the secondary there's tons of talent. In the secondary, I, I like the way um, uh, Amik Robertson has kind of bounced back early in camp um, after a, a rough first year. Uh, we've been, you know, obviously we all know Nate Hobbs is just it's just lighting it up. He's probably been one of the biggest storylines of all of training camp. I'm really excited to see what he can do once bullets start flying for real. Um, you know, Trayvon Mullen is going to do his thing. Um, and then you got the back end, you know, Trayvon Merrick, all reports were positive on him. And, and, you know, I'm really hoping for another bounce back for, or a big bounce back from, from John Abram as well. So, you know, extremely talented group of young players, but, but that youth and that inexperience that does, that does scare me a bit. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of exciting plays, uh, from these guys, but, you know, I do also at the same time, I do expect to see some growing pains uh, along the way as well. And, and just real quick, the final topic uh, before we get to our first break, I want to give you my prediction for the 2021 season. I think it's we're at a good point here a week before uh, the first game. I think it's about time we, we get you my prediction. I'm sure a lot of the other, uh, you know, People out there, podcasters, content creators, radio hosts, and whatnot, uh, beat writers, they're going to be kind of releasing their uh, predictions for the season here in the next few days. So I wanted to get you that. Uh, I wanted to get you mine here today, this week. Uh, before I do that, though, I w- let's take a quick listen here. Mike Mayock, he spoke a little bit uh, when he met with the media. Uh, let's listen to him here talk about expectations for this season. You know, and that's where we are. We, we've assembled 53 players. Um, we think we're going to be a pretty good football team. Uh, we're not hiding from expectations. I think John and I would both tell you that we feel like we need to be a playoff team this year. And I don't think there's any doubt about that. And you guys are all going to put that in your headlines, and, and I understand it. Um, but we're not – I mean, that's what the expectation is. We think we've done um, the infrastructure work necessary to put us in position. And we got to take care of business. And I agree. I, I agree with those comments. I, I absolutely the Raiders need to be a playoff team, and, and that should be the expectation: playoffs or bust. And if not, if not, there should be some serious conversations, some serious discussions within the organization with the direction of the franchise. I'm not saying heads need to roll or Gruden needs to be fired, but I think the conversation needs to begin at that point if they if they do miss the playoffs uh, again this year. With that being said, I, I told you guys, I, I polled Twitter uh, this week on, on how many wins the Raiders will have, and, and the results are in. And I think you guys are going to be very happy with, uh, with, with some of these results. Uh, 47% of the voters said 10 wins. That, and that was the, the largest percentage, followed by 28% who said 11 wins. Uh, 16% voted nine wins and 9% voted eight wins. So definitely some optimism there uh, for sure amongst Twitters. Uh, for me though, I, you know, I've been waffling back and forth, back and forth. I had a really hard time 
uh, you know, coming up with this number. I, I've talked to other people out there who who follow the team closely, and you know, just trying to get maybe there's something I'm not considering, or I'm you know, looking at this aspect too much. Um, you know, I've looked at the schedule. I've considered the roster, uh, the additions that were made, the new defensive staff, the new scheme, all the things that we have been seeing and hearing all throughout camp. Um, you know, I, I do think this roster is improved. I don't think uh, there's any arguing that. I believe the defense is going to play better. I believe the defense will be better. But how much better? That That's the question. That is the question. Can the offense... Um, continue to play at a top 10 level you know can that happen at the same time the defense plays better because if if, if the offense takes a step back you know that could be an issue so it's 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 difficult to you know try to figure all this out um you know can the defense consistently generate a pass rush um you know i love the addition of ngakwe i think he's going to bring a whole new element to the defense will they stop the run they struggled to stop the run last year amongst uh, the bottom of the league in run defense uh, will they eliminate explosive plays they gave up a lot of big plays last year and maybe one of the most important factors overall i think is will they force turnovers um, I, that to me is just such an important part of defense because even if you're not a very good defense, if you're very good in, in certain situations, if you're opportunistic and you could turn the ball over and just get it back to the offense, that can kind of mask some of the, um, some of the imperfections that the defense will have. So th- these are all the things that I have considered over the last couple of weeks when I started thinking about what I want to give for my prediction. Um, and you know, I spent time on past shows talking about looking at strength of schedule based on the Vegas win totals, not based on um, win totals from a year ago. Because as I've said, that doesn't take into account many things. It does not take into account anything, any changes that have occurred since the previous year, new coaches, new players, free agent additions, uh, new, you know, new coordinators and all that. It doesn't consider that, but Vegas win totals does. And there's a reason why Vegas, why they say the house always wins. Vegas is really good at what they do. So I think there's, uh, there needs to be a little bit more weight put into strength of schedule based on win totals. And, and, and um, so I'm really, you know, I think that's a more accurate way to go about it. And, and you know, based on that, the schedule does look challenging. And, um, you know, so without stalling any longer, I, I did come to a, a final decision and I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with my gut. I have the Raiders in 2021 going nine and eight, nine wins, eight losses, I can easily make a case for 10 wins. I, I, I would not be shocked to see them get to 10 wins. I, I really hope they do. In fact, obviously, I want to see them get to 10 wins. But based on all the questions that I've laid forth um, with the offensive line, the depth along the offensive line, can they withstand, uh, withstand an injury to a, a key player um, on the offensive line with the young secondary do they all uh, progress, uh, take a step forward, some of these second and third year guys? Uh, the schedule, I, I mentioned, it looks tough. I just felt I had to stay uh, with nine wins, uh, you know, to avoid being 
to to avoid drinking that um, training camp and preseason Kool Aid, all the hype that's put out there, uh, to to avoid the the Homer label and, and to try to be objective. I it wasn't that I was trying to avoid being called a Homer, but I, I tried to be objective. I tried to put my emotions aside and look at this from you know from the standpoint that I that I've discussed here. I just felt nine wins is is what I felt comfortable with, um, and I what I feel is realistic for this team now. Probably. A disappointing number to many of you out there listening, but that's just the way I see it. Uh, I want you to reach out to me. Go ahead and DM me. Uh, contact me on the contact page over at justpodbaby.com. I'd like to hear your thoughts on my prediction, and I want to get. Uh, I want to know what you think. I want to know how many wins you think the Raiders will have this year, and I want to know why. So, uh, all right, guys, time to get to our, our first break, and when we return, we'll be joined by our guest this week. That's Jesse Merrick of KSNV News 3 in Las Vegas. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to Just Pod Baby, brought to you by the Vegas Sports Today Podcast Network. Hey Raider Nation, are you looking for an independent news source covering the Raiders in Las Vegas? Check out the only site that's been doing it for the past four years, VegasSportsToday.com. With in-depth daily coverage of the Raiders and news and opinions from a stable of talented writers, VegasSportsToday.com is your independent source for news out of the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, and by the way, we cover all Vegas sports, including boxing, UFC, esports, and the hottest ticket in the NHL, the Vegas Golden Knights. Get on your phone now. Now and check out VegasSportsToday.com, your independent source for Raiders news. No corporate BS, just pure Raider Nation. That's VegasSportsToday.com. Welcome back to Just Pod, baby. Run down the field on Your home for all things Las Vegas Raiders football. Raiders! News, views, and guests. Just win, baby. <laughs> There's only one nation, and they listen here. Once a Raider, always a Raider. And we're back. Segment two, Just Pod Baby. Just a quick update to some of the information I gave you in the first segment. As we expected, the Raiders did uh, place four players on the injury reserve list. Nicholas Morrow, Javin White, Keyshawn Nixon, and Jalen Richard. Uh, so they will be out for at least the first three games. I think they're designated to return as early as week four. So we'll keep an eye on that. And in a corresponding roster move, they did re-sign tight end Derek Carrier. Uh, they brought back uh, safety Dallin Levitt, who's a special teams uh, warrior. And they also signed another offensive lineman, uh, Jermaine Yulmanor. So those are some of the latest roster moves that were made with your Las Vegas Raiders. We now bring in our guests this week from KSNV News 3 in Las Vegas. Jesse Merrick joins us. He's been all over it, covering the Raiders from training camp practices to preseason games. He was nice enough to give us a few minutes. Jesse, thanks for the time tonight, and welcome back to Just Pod Baby. Hey, for sure, man. I appreciate you having me on. I always love talking ball with you. Yeah, I always love uh, having you on as well. Uh, let's dive right into it. The big news of the day is the addition of linebacker K.J. Wright, who who signed the one-year deal with the Raiders, and he joins a team who is in desperate need of a, of a healthy body at linebacker. We know Nicholas Morrow and Javen White both expected to miss some time here to start the season. They were put on the uh, the IR uh, today. Nicholas Kwiatkowski missed a portion of training camp along with rookie Divine Diablo, and we could see Tanner Muse now thrust into action uh, playing 
more snaps uh, you know, a little bit earlier than anticipated. So it, w- it was a move that needed to happen along with uh, the trade they made for Denzel Perryman uh, last week. But, you know, Raider Nation has been clamoring uh, for K.J. Wright to get signed. They get their guy today. And from an X's and O's standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. What is some of your initial reaction to the news of, of K.J. Wright to the Raiders? Yeah, I mean, it was a huge signing. The very first thing I thought of was like, man, Raider Nation's going to be stoked because, you know, all my mentions, anytime I talk about any moves they make, everyone says, hey, when are they going to bring in KJ? When are they going to bring in KJ? So that was big, but it also changes the game, you know, from your linebacker spot there if you're a Raiders fan. I mean, when you really look at it, this was, you know, a weak point of the defense and, and something that because of injuries had become a bit of an issue. Now you bring him in there and you start looking at what you have and what you bring to the table. So you've got KJ, you've got Corey Littleton, and then you got Nick Kwiatkowski as like your top three. And then you kind of shuffle in there with the younger guys behind them. But then when you get healthy and Nick Morrow comes back into the mix, you know, that's another thing that's going to be real interesting that kind of turns this perceived weakness into more of a strength along the defensive, uh, you know, defensive grouping as a whole. And you look at it and look at each level of the defense and how much improved they are from last year. I mean, that's got to fire you up. But also that's the guy in KJ Wright that comes in. He's got position versatility. He obviously knows the scheme. He excelled in it under Bradley for two years in Seattle there. But he's the guy, too, the last year that made the uh, switch at linebacker spot. So he's played Sam and Will. Kind of does a bit of everything. He's got the speed, the height, the weight, all that stuff that kind of comes along with it. And uh, looking at him as a whole, kind of what he does, I mean, he would have stacked up really well on this Raiders team last year. Would have been tied for first and tackles in a bunch of different areas like that. So he's the guy that will bring it, not only rushing the passer and getting in there, kind of disrupting things, but also in the passing game, coming up with pass deflections and stuff like that, too. Yeah, I agree with you. And I was commenting earlier in the show, uh, and you mentioned you know his experience playing in, in Bradley's system. It should really be a pretty seamless transition for Wright. And I think that for some of the younger guys, um, you know, he could really be beneficial to them. He's going to be like having another coach on the field, much like Casey uh, Hayward is in the secondary. Uh, so a good move overall for the Raiders. And, and you know, I do want to shift gears here to the the other big news from the week, and that was the roster cuts that were made. Uh, they cut that roster down to fifty. Uh, 53. Um, and we heard Mike Mayock, he spoke with the media uh, this week and, and he gave us some of his thoughts and, and some of the logic behind some of the moves that were made. I'm interested in getting uh, some of your reaction. First of all, do you think Gruden and Mayock, do you think they got it right with this group of 53 or did you feel that, you know, based on what you had seen throughout training camp, did you feel that there was someone who was deserving that was left off? There were no massive ones to me. I mean, a couple surprises for me was the whole John Brown situation, which I get if you're in his position, you know, how many contracts does he have left? He kind of saw he goes writing on the wall of what his role was going to be and wants to get paid. You know, that, that's the way that I view it. So with him, I don't knock him on that. So that one was obviously a surprise. The Derek Carrier move, obviously they've now brought him back on the roster. So initially I was kind of shocked to see Nick Bowers make the team over uh, Derek Carrier just with what he does special teams-wise. But uh, to have him back in there, back in the mix, I mean, that's a really, really solid tight end room there. And then other than that, there weren't a lot of surprises. The one that you could possibly point to now, looking back in hindsight, is Dallin Levitt over uh, Carl Joseph. I know a lot of people have, uh, you know, a lot of things to say about Dallin Levitt, you know, but he's a guy that brings it on special teams, that comes in, does things the right way, you know, and he's really cheap as well. So, you know, he's a guy that they clearly like. Um, so I was a bit surprised at that kind of safety spot there. But other than that, it was all pretty much straightforward. You know, it kind of worked out the way that I thought it would. You could tell that they had issues along the offensive line, you know, and so clearly that was going to be something where, all right, they're going to bring someone in. They did that today as well. So, you know, it didn't shock me too much with what they did, and I thought they made the right moves. 
Jesse Merrick of KSNV News 3 in Las Vegas is our guest this week joining us here on Just Pod Baby. And, you know, you just alluded to the offensive line. That's one of the other position groups that I wanted to ask you about. They decided to roll with only eight guys on, on that roster, and they, they did go out and add another guy to the 53, I believe, today with some of those moves to IR. Uh, Brandon Parker is going to be the swing tackle, and John Simpson is, is next in line to play any of those guard positions uh, should they need him to. And, and this has been a topic that I have I've consistently talked about this here on the show throughout the last few few weeks and months. Um you know, there's some new faces that are going to be starting uh, on the line, and, and I'm going to remain cautiously optimistic with this group. Let's hope they can stay healthy because um, what we learned throughout those preseason games especially is that the depth beyond the starting five is, is suspect at best, I think it's fair to say. And, and so I'd like to get some of your thoughts um, on the offensive line and where you see this group with a little over a week to go before week one. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you know, God forbid an injury happens and that's where you start to really be like, uh uh-oh. But I do think they feel good about a guy like John Simpson back there that can play both guard spots. You know, they're in a good spot with him. He's more of that mauler run game type of guy, so he's still kind of working on his pass blocking and stuff like that. But he's a guy that, you know, the coaching staff has said came back bigger, stronger, you know, than anyone else. You know, he's that guy that was really grinding in the weight room. So you got to love that. Brandon Parker is a guy that they like. Again, another guy that I know fans feel some type of way about, but as a swing tackle, he's a solid guy to have back in there. And then you've got Nick Martin, who plays center, but can also possibly play the guard spots as well if need be in a pinch. And, you know, the thing that I'm really going to be watching, obviously, is, you know, um, Andre James and Alex Leatherwood. You know, with, with Leatherwood, we know what he brings in the run game. Like, that's not going to be an issue. I've talked with many people that know a heck of a lot more about O-line play than I do, and they have said, the biggest thing for him is just going to be pass blocking in the NFL. And if you think about it, this was a guy that was working on the left side at left tackle at Alabama. Okay, now you bring him over to the right side, and he's kind of getting used to doing everything. It'd be like if you're you know, right-handed and you have to all of a sudden do everything with your left hand, you know, switching things up like that. So he's working on that, and he's a guy that's come in with a real workman's attitude. So, like, clearly it's going to take some time, but I think he's the guy, and I think they made a good job picking the kid because he's, he's very – you know, driven in terms of what he's doing, and he's clearly putting the work in to get it done. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of those two guys as they really grow into those roles because, you know, if Andre James is as advertised, or at least as the team says he's as advertised, like then that really solidifies the position, you know, losing a guy like Hudson there. And then Alex Leatherwood, other than that, like this offensive line is set. You know, you know what you've got in Colton Miller. Denzel Good is the guy who's proven himself as well. So the O-line is a question mark only purely because we haven't seen this specific group do it. But I was really pleased with what I saw from the starters at practice and stuff like that. I know the fans didn't get to see him in games, but uh, in practices and in the joint practices and stuff like that against the Rams, they looked very good. So I think so far, cautiously, cautiously optimistic about this offensive line group. I want to talk a little bit of defense with you now. Let's start up front. Um, I do expect this group overall to be better than what we have seen in recent years. They made an addition uh, during training camp. They brought in Gerald McCoy. He did make the team. I think he'll provide uh, some some good things for this defense as well. You know, I've been really impressed with, with Darius uh, Philon and what he was able to do in some limited snaps in the preseason. He looks like he's got some juice left uh, after missing those two years. But what are some of your impressions of the new look? Uh, new look defensive line based on what you saw in practice in the the joint scrimmages with the Rams and in the three preseason games? Yeah, you know, the depth is really evident, evident, you know, and and Gus Bradley and Gruden, they've all been very upfront about the fact that this is going to be kind of a two-line rotation. You know, they're going to rotate through eight guys basically through there to kind of bring waves, and if not a little more than that. I mean, because when you look at the depth, just look at, you know, the tackle position in general. You've got Jonathan Hankins, 
You've got Quentin Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, Unique and Goff, or not Unique at D tackle, but um, uh, then you've got Gerald McCoy, as you mentioned. Darius Phylon is a guy that's really flashed. Cleve Farrell brings in, a, you know, the ability to move inside. So there's a lot of versatility in this group. Guys can do a bit of everything. And I think Phylon is that guy. You noted him. I was really impressed with not only what he's done in practice, but also in the preseason games and stuff like that. He's the guy that Gruden really likes. I've heard Gruden talking him up and yelling at him a lot in practice in a good way, you know, that he kind of brings the juice. But I, I'm real curious to see who ends up being the starter at that three-tech spot. You know, is Quentin Jefferson going to be the guy? Is Joe McCoy going to be that guy? Obviously, we saw what he flashed in that last preseason game against the Niners, which has to fire up uh, Raiders fans because if he's even a shred of that, then the Raiders made a great pick in, in signing him. So, you know, the depth is just so evident. And the fact that these guys can do so much, and in, in doing this and talking about the, the depth that they have, that's not even bringing up the fact that they brought in Unique Ngakwe and that they've got Max Crosby coming back. And then now Klee moves to that second unit along with Massey. So, like, it, it's just, I think when you're going to send waves, guys are going to be fresh. Look what Max has done, even when he's out there every single freaking snap. So now when you can kind of spell him a bit, it's going to be real interesting to see kind of how that group goes. And really, if we're being honest, that's going to be the motor of the defense right there. Whatever the D-line does, it'll be kind of how far this defense goes. Yeah, absolutely. It's always good to have some options there. You talked about the, the three-tech, who's it going to be starting? And and the good news is they've got some options there, and, and that's always a good thing. Um, you know, it's, looking at the back end of this defense, um, I, you know, I, I think there's a ton of talent in the secondary with this team. Um, we've heard some good things about the uh, improvement of Amik Robertson from a year ago. Um, um, Hob, Nate Hobbs, uh, you know, he's kind of burst onto the scene here uh, as of late. And, and Trayvon Merrick, all the reports from him have been real positive. Um, despite all the the glowing reports we've been getting for some of these from some of these young uh, DBs, are you are you at all worried or concerned about the lack of experience uh, with this group overall? I'm not more so just because look at what you've got on the outside. You know, the simple fact of you've got Trayvon Mullen, you've got Casey Hayward Jr., you know, two guys that you know what you're going to get out of them on the outside. The one thing is going to be, all right, uh, in terms of Merrick, you know, what does he do uh, stopping the run and stuff like that? He's shown us that he can cover, you know, but he's going to be that center fielder type of guy. And Jonathan Abram is a guy that just kind of had a camp. Like, he didn't flash. He didn't look bad. He didn't look anything like that. So, like, seeing what he looks like under live fire, that's going to be the thing. So, for me, I'm not even worried about really the corners and I'm including Nickel in that as well, because just look at the depth there. Again, like I said, you've got Mullen, you've got Hayward, and then behind them you have Arnett, Amik, who's really coming into his own now and kind of has come back a different type of guy. And then you do have Nate Hobbs, who was the guy of camp. I mean, he, he stood out in a massive way, so the depth there is great. It's just really, again, yeah, it's safety, where things are going to kind of be your big question marks. And if we're being honest, like that's where the big plays are going to come. Those guys are your last line of defense. And in this defense specifically – a guy like John Abram, that box safety type of guy, that is a very big role in this defense. So not having a guy like Carl Joseph, who in my mind was kind of like the backup plan to bring him in there, you don't have that guy on this roster. Okay, well, hey, look, if Jonathan Abram doesn't work out, then you're turning to a guy like either Teamer or Gillespie, two guys that, you know, we don't know a ton about. Teamer played well, you know, flashed many times. He's got experience in his defense. But we don't quite know a whole lot about him. You know, he was the guy that I watched throughout camp, but I didn't watch, you know, specifically just because I honestly didn't think he was going to make the team. But he played well, and he's got a spot on the team now. So Gillespie is another guy, too, though, where we didn't get a chance to see a ton of him. He did have, have some flashes in the uh, preseason game against the Niners. Also had a moment that wasn't so great on a bad angle on that touchdown run 
the long touchdown run there. So it's going to be interesting. But I feel good about the corners as a whole. Safety is really where that depth maybe comes into question. Uh, real quick here, I got a couple more for you. Before I let you go, um, I want to look ahead to, to the week one matchup, Monday Night Football with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you know, the Ravens are dealing with some injury issues of their own right now, uh, losing their starting running back, uh, J.K. Dobbins, for the year. They've got some wide receivers who are are banged up right now. But when you look at what the Ravens, you know, what they want to do on offense, which we all know is they want to run the ball. They're, they're built uh, around the run. Uh, they were the NFL's number one rushing offense a year ago, and we know the threat that Lamar Jackson uh, poses as well. Uh, this is going to be a great challenge uh, for the Raiders' defense. We should get a very good uh, idea of where they stand early on. How important will it be uh, in that game to, to not only uh, or, or to 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 not allow the Ravens' run game to to get going and get rolling? And do you think the defense is going to be up for the task early on this season, Week One? Yeah, that's the big question, isn't it? I mean, you noted the injury issues with the Ravens. Obviously, you don't wish that on anybody, but if you're a Raiders fan, you got to be happy to see that. I believe it's seven players on IR for them uh, to start this to start the year. So, you know, they'll be without some guys, and, and you'll take any kind of advantage you can get. But uh, that's going to be the big question: is can you stop the run? And, and you're going to find out right out of the gates going against a team like the Ravens. And uh, that's the thing where I've always said it. You know, throughout the off season since they brought in Gus. I think that the rush defense is going to take a bit of a step back. And, uh, that again, this is kind of one of those ones where it's a rough matchup out the gates in terms of what your your strength is going to be in this defense, rushing the passer and against the pass and things like that. So I'm curious to see what they are able to do against a team like this. But, uh, obviously, losing a guy like Dobbins is going to knock things out a bit there. But the fact that they're bringing in some linebackers that have experience is definitely a plus. Maybe they do go with a bit more beef there up on the, on the defensive line and in terms of having – you know, Hankins and maybe Phylon play a bit more in matchup wise, you know, to kind of uh, try and slow them down and clog things up there. So it, it's, that's going to be the matchup to watch. And it's as cliche as it is that this game's going to be one loss in the trenches. Like, that's really what's going to happen. And I wouldn't be shocked if offensively we see John Gruden go back to his, like, hey, we're going to grind this thing out as well and turn it into kind of a bucket your trench strap type of game. But, uh, you know, if you're asking me, you know, are they going to be able to stop the run? Not many teams have the success doing it, so I think this is going to be one of those games where there's a lot of rushing yards against this defense. People may start to freak out, worry about the defense. I, I wouldn't panic too much because you got to realize, again, this offense that you're going up against. But uh, I think we will really see what these guys can do and, and what kind of physicality they're going to bring to the table right out of the gates. Final one I have for you here. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, earlier in the show, I, I was I gave uh, the listeners my win loss predi- uh, prediction for the season. Now I went with nine and eight, and 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 that might be a little bit disappointing to to many of the listeners out there, but you know I, I just felt that was a fair and objective. Uh, look at it and I gave my reasoning behind that that prediction as well but I'm interested in getting your prediction you've been covering it all summer long so so how do you see things playing out for the Raiders here in, in 2021 yeah I've gone nine and eight as well so I hate to disappoint people you know I hope I'm wrong because I'd love to see the Raiders be more successful but nine and eight seems kind of about that magic number right now I mean again you're going up against the team of Baltimore you got the Steelers who were undefeated for quite a while then week three you go to Miami uh, you know, those are three tough games to start the season, all teams that should and probably will give the Raiders trouble. Not to say they can't win at least two of those games, but you hope, hey, look, if you can get out of there winning one game, I think that's a win based off of the teams that you're facing in those first three. Then you go to San Diego. That's obviously going to be a tough game, just given the simple fact that San Diego's got a quarterback that's for real for now. And, you know, they're healthy on defense as well, having a guy like Derwin James back. that He's a game changer for that group. 
And as you go to continue to look through the schedule, I mean, there's a couple tough stretches here and there. You know, you're going to take on Kansas City. Then you got the Bengals. It is what it is. You go to Dallas if they're a healthy group. That's a very different team, especially on offense with Dak. You got the Washington football team. Then you take at Kansas City, at Cleveland. I mean, those are real tough stretches down the stretch. And we've seen how this team has kind of faltered at the end of the year. So I could see them maybe having a real good record, people feeling good about themselves in the middle of the year. And then the big test is going to kind of be how you finish. But I'd say nine and eight. I don't think that's enough to make the playoffs just the way the NFL is right now. But again, fingers crossed that I'm wrong. I would love nothing more than for people to record this segment and come back at me and say, hey, you were wrong. The Raiders won two or three more games than that. We're a playoff team because I like the talent this team has. I just look at the schedule and the teams in the division, and I think everybody else kind of got a lot better as well. So really, you know, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, again, defense is going to be tested a lot this year. There you heard it from our guest this week, Jesse Merrick. Him and I both uh, agree 9-8 and eight is where we see the Raiders uh, finishing up this season. Probably not enough to make the playoffs, but uh, you know, Jesse, he, he's on top of it when it comes to the Raiders. Uh, so, uh, you know, thanks so much, Jesse, for hopping on with me. I always appreciate your insight. Make sure you go out and follow Jesse on Twitter at JesseNews3LV. Enjoy the game next week, and, and we'll have to get you on again sometime down the road. Thanks, Evan. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on as always. And I uh, can't wait for the season to get going. It feels like it's been way too long. So there you heard it. 9-8 uh, and eight from Jesse as well. And I'm interested in seeing what some of the other predictions are out there from from you know others who, who cover the team or, or the league. And I know nationally right now the Raiders aren't getting a whole lot of love, so I try not to you know look too much into what they have to say. But it's the people who are close to the organization who, who cover this thing day in and day out. Those are the ones I'm uh, looking forward to, to hearing from. All right, guys, you will hear from me next week with our first week one preview episode of the season. We'll be chatting all about the Raiders versus the Ravens, matchups, keys to the game, injury report. We're going to have a guest on from the Ravens. I'm really looking forward to it. But until then, I am your host, Evan Grote. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend. And as always... Just win, baby.